What would you do if you saw an unexplainable creature on the hiking trail? How about if somebody was stalking you in the middle of the woods while just trying to mind your own business? Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. And welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true hiking horror stories. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'm always looking for new stories and topics to cover. Now, without further ado, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true hiking horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. This happened directly to me. At the time of this story, I was a 12-year-old male who lived in California. For a summer trip, me and my family flew to Boise, Idaho for a few weeks to stay with my cousins. We stayed at their house for two days, then came the best part. It was always my favorite part. Until what happened, that is. On the third day, we all drove to a small city in the Rocky Mountains of central Idaho. They owned a cabin in Ketchum. The first day was spent at nearby lakes fishing, playing games, and meeting a few of the neighbors on the small street. Everyone we met was nice. It was an amazing time. I thought nothing could go wrong. Before I say more, here's a bit of a layout of the area. The room where I slept was at the back of the house. There was no fence at the back of the backyard because it was a bank in a freezing cold river. Directly on the other side of the river was a huge mountain covered by thick forest to pine trees. A small path starts on the other side of the river, but there's no bridge. There is one about a quarter of a mile away in front of our house. I went to bed that night. I woke up around 2am needing to use the bathroom. I got up and did my thing, then headed back to my room. As I got into bed, I felt hot so I opened my window. Not even 15 minutes after I opened my window, I heard the most terrifying screech come from the forest. It was raspy but high-pitched. I know for a fact it was not a human. I have heard stories on other podcasts and YouTube channels and even this one about these noises coming from the woods at random. I heard it once more, but this time, it was much closer. In the morning when I woke up, we explored around town. Sometime around 7 p.m., me, my sister, and my cousins got permission from our parents to go explore the forest. I was uneasy, considering I heard a creepy human-like noise in the night, and it was nearing nighttime again. My oldest cousin Alex, who was 16, took a loaded pistol, a lighter, and a backpack of snacks. I carried a hunting knife and a flashlight. My cousin, who wasn't the same age as me, Julia, took a flashlight as well. My sister Brianna and my other cousin Karina who were 10, took some extra batteries and a small bag of candy each. We made our way across the bridge at the end of the street and back to the path on the side of the river across from the house and began our hike. All of us began the hike to the top of the mountain together as a team. We made it to the top of Bald Mountain in about an hour and a half. The view from 9,000 feet was incredible. At 8.55, Alex and I figured it was probably time to head back down and ordered the group to the path. At this point, it was now dark and the sun had fully set. Julia and I had turned on our flashlights 
to shine them ahead as we walked. Some halfway down the mountain, which was probably about 45 minutes or so into the walk, I got the dreadful feeling you get when you're being watched and followed. Seconds later, something was hiding in the bushes a few yards into the tree line that bordered the path right off to our right. I could hear it suddenly run off. I brushed it off as some type of small animal. About five minutes after that incident, though, what we heard made me tingle with fear and my heart dropped to my stomach. That same horrifying screech from last night echoed through the forest from a mile or two away. I told everyone we needed to move faster, and we did. It went off again, but this time it was much closer. And then again, but even closer. Whatever that thing was, it was moving faster than us. We were full-on speedwalking by then. That still wasn't fast enough, because soon the screeching stopped, and we heard loud steps about 30 yards off to our right. I got that feeling of being watched again. Alex took out his gun and fired two shots in the general direction of the steps. In hindsight, this was probably a very dangerous move. This thing, this creature, whatever it was, backed off. But even though we thought he was gone, I still sensed we were being watched. As the river came into sight, it caught me and everyone else by surprise. I heard the path gravel crunching behind us. I looked back and in the darkness I saw the outline of something that resembled a human on the path behind us. It was probably no more than 200 yards of distance between us. I told Alex and his face went pale when he looked. We told the rest of the group quietly, and on three, we all broke out into a full-on sprint towards the river. Whatever that thing was was extremely fast. When we reached the river, there wasn't time to get onto the bridge a quarter of a mile farther along the river because this thing was catching up fast. We jumped in and swam across the ice-cold water. Once it got to the river, just as we made it to the bank and into the backyard, Julia and I shined our flashlights and finally got a decent look at it. This thing was massive. It was a hairy creature that was about seven feet tall. It had huge, razor-sharp claws like a bear. Its eyes glowed red when the flashlight shined on them. Alex shot at it, and it darted off with one final screech. We all looked at each other in pure terror, shock, and surprise. Alex explained everything to our parents. They didn't know what to do or what to make of it and had never heard of anything like it. I'm thankful nothing happened to us and that I noticed the creature behind us before it was too late. If I had not, one of the others might not have noticed it until it was far too late. The next time I stay at that cabin, I'm not going alone in those woods at night and I'm definitely not going hiking. My roommate and I had gotten into witchcraft and wanted to do a spell together. We don't hex people or do any kind of black magic or love spells, nothing that would impose our will onto somebody else. Basically, we don't put anything out into the universe that we wouldn't welcome back. So we thought doing a spell on a hike would be a beautiful and lovely way to do a ritual. So we loaded up the dog and left. We started a little late in the day and went up to Chattacua Park in Boulder, Colorado. It's a crowded place, and we ran into plenty of people on the way up. You basically follow a trail up the flat irons, and then follow it back down. Our dog, Stella, was a champ going up, so unafraid and excited. We made it to the top and found a semi-covered spot, 
by a rock and trees. The ritual was fairly simple itself. We were basically just trying to get better mental health and financial assistance. Now that I've been practicing for a long time, I realized the whole thing was a bad idea, but at the time it seemed like a nice thing to do. We had made a crystal circle and burned the herbs we had pre-grinded and prepared. So we meditate in the circle for a while and reaffirm our goals. Stella is getting antsy because it's dinner time and she has nowhere soft to lay down while we are doing this. This is where we really messed up. We don't close the circle down or our own energy. We just put everything away and feed Stella and start heading down. It's then that I realized how late it was. The sun was starting to set and we began to head down. And while Stella was awesome going up, she was terrified going down. We had to climb down parts, then pass her down to make it down some parts of the rocks. It was just a complete mess. We were scraped up from the rocks and her claws, and I was just unsettled. I kept seeing weird white flashes in my peripherals. It kind of looked like an angry face, and I kept seeing it as we got down the rocks and found the gravel path. It freaked me out, but I was just trying to stay focused on what we were doing and getting back to the car and not getting hurt. By the time we were off the rocks and on the gravel path, it was completely dark and pitch black under the trees. I pull my phone out as a flashlight so we can see the trail. We were all kind of panicked. We were both young women who have watched too much true crime, so we just kind of sat in silence trying to focus on getting down the mountain as fast as possible. Then, out of the complete darkness, a man sort of just materialized ahead of us. I use that word on purpose because he seemed to slowly come into vision, like when you turn on an old static TV. He looked young, early to mid-twenties maybe, white and with brown hair. I looked at his face briefly before looking away in fear. He had no flashlight to guide him, and his feet made no noise on the gravel. The energy rolling off this guy was angry and aggressive. I just stared at his shoes because I was afraid to make eye contact with an angry man alone on a mountain. Even the dog ignores him, and she is territorial. She is a cattle dog, so that was very unusual. He walks past us, still making no noise at all. He doesn't even look at us. He disappeared into the total darkness behind us, in thin air. I thought about trying to get my knife out of my backpack, but I realized I wouldn't know if he turned around because he made no sound at all. Neither of us said anything. What could we say? Out of nowhere, though, simultaneously, we both began running. We were almost out of there when we ran into a group of three college students. They were laughing and talking and shuffling on the gravel. They all had their phones out, and they were using them as flashlights as well. They said hello as we ran by, and we just kept running. We make it back to the car, and I ask my roommate if she saw him too. She said yes but she wasn't sure if I had seen him. She was so afraid to ask while we were running. Neither of us can remember his face and are freaked out by the lack of noise that night. I mean, this guy was walking comfortably up a mountain in complete darkness, making no sound at all. Neither of us really want to say that we saw a ghost, but with a poorly closed circle and two very sensitive people, it makes sense. We got home sometime around 10 p.m., and we went to bed. We woke up and it was like everything we had asked for in the spell was reversed. My roommate's wallet had been stolen out of her car and $600 had been spent on her debit card. 
We were both depressed and exhausted and struggled getting out of bed. I still can't remember that guy's face, but I'll never forget the way he walked up that trail without any light, without making a single sound, and vanishing. I'll never forget the waves of anger rolling off of him as he passed us. To start off, this took place about a year ago before I graduated high school. To give this story some background information, I am from New York. I live in the Catskill region, so I have access to amazing hiking trails. There are many hiking trails and hiking paths in this area that I enjoy going on. I live in a more suburban setting while my friend lives in a more rural section of the county. My friend Ryan was lucky enough to have his house backed right into the Catskill Nature Preserve. Since this story took place, he has moved though. Fortunately, he still lives pretty close to me. I think it's better he doesn't live there anymore anyway after what happened. I recall the spectacular times we had when he first moved into that house though. There was a pool and an amazing jacuzzi on top of a nice stone patio. Beyond the fence was a well-structured fire pit that was right next to a path which leads to an outstanding hiking trail. The hiking trail then leads to a railroad, which once crossed allows you to access the steep mountain trail that we would hike very often with our group of friends. His family really hit the jackpot when they bought this house. In the time that we have had this friend group, we've encountered many things while hiking, exploring, and doing random stuff outdoors. However, from all the bizarre experiences that we've encountered, we agreed in unison that this one was the most potentially life-threatening and scary. It came to a point where we stayed away from the trail for a solid two weeks. For us, that was a lot of time. We'd usually be hiking and exploring every single day. Anyhow, the afternoon that came prior to this night hike was a good one. I was hanging out with Ryan and two other good friends, one of which had never been on a night hike with us. He was relatively new to our friend group but fit right in. The only thing left was his so-called initiation into our group. We figured that the only way to test his true character was through challenging him to lead us up the mountain path that we had all become very well acquainted with behind Ryan's backyard. The only thing was, is he had never been on it at night. Unlike the rest of us, he had only hiked it by day. It was his time to lead us up though, his time to prove to us that he was daringly adventurous as the rest of us. The afternoon went something along the lines of going for a drive into town and meeting up with a group of girls. After that, we went back to Ryan's place and we used his pool and jacuzzi. We took advantage of the fact that his parents had left town for the weekend. We had the place all to ourselves. However, we decided we weren't going to have a party tonight. So around 10, we had the girls leave. It was just us, the boys. We went beyond the gate of the backyard and started gathering some wood for a quick campfire before we made our trek up the mountain. Around 11 p.m., we went back inside the house to gather some supplies. You know, basic stuff. Flashlights, pocket knives, backpacks, all that good stuff. After we gathered all of our things, we made our way out onto the trail and into his backyard. During the day, it was beautiful. After five minutes of being on the path, we would arrive at a spectacular field which was full of tall grass, elevated from the path that you would naturally have just come off of, with a haze of sunlight and nature calling. However, it was dead out here right now, 
in the still of the dark, the rustling of tall grass and distant sounds of crickets. Although we felt somewhat on edge, knowing we were completely exposed, an unexplainable feeling of calmness had overtaken my being. We walked across the grassland into the part of the nature trail that led onto the railroad. The moon shone brilliantly across the sky, acting as a secondary guide apart from our flashlights. It took some time, however, because there was a patch of brambles. We all had to crawl through one by one. As we resumed our hike after clearing the brambles, we closed in on the hill that led to the top of the railroad tracks. This hill will be of key importance later in the story, so keep it in your mind. Jagged rocks lined the elevation, so it was somewhat like rock climbing. We all managed to pick it up and come upon the tracks. It was desolate. Something about being on the railroad tracks at night with no one else around was such an incredible feeling. I can't describe it in words, but basically I felt no attachment to reality, and I was just in the moment. We just sat there on a few rocks talking for a moment about life and our future exploration plans. Eventually, we carried on. Now, we entered the real hiking path that led all the way up the mountain. It was about 11.30 now. It typically took us 30 minutes to get up to the lookout point that we would commonly go to. And let me tell you, seeing the riverfront of the Hudson and the surrounding town's lights around it is truly breathtaking. I could not wait to see it once again. The darkness caused us no difficulty, and we were still able to make it up in roughly 30 minutes' time. We had gone on this trail with other people before. Normally, with your average person tagging along, the hike would usually take an hour. We, however, had become so well acquainted with the path and were basically going there every single day, we knew where every single rock was. There were no issues on the way up apart from the subtle typical paranoia of animals watching us. If there were any, though, we had not noticed. We made it to the top and enjoyed the view and had some meaningful conversations. Around 12.30 a.m., we decided to head back down. In my opinion, coming down was always the best part. We literally ran down the mountain to see how fast and how far we could go, and who could get to the railroad first without tripping. It took us around 20 minutes to get down. Like I said, we knew every part of the trail, and when it came to foot placement, we had absolutely no difficulty in avoiding the rocks and branches coming down. This is the part where things become bizarre. I didn't mention it before, but when we had come down the mountain, there was a fork in the trail. One part of the trail was longer while the other part was shorter. They both led back down and merged once again, a few yards before you make it past the tree line and onto the tracks. This fork took place midway down the mountain. Usually on the way up, we would take our faster route for obvious reasons. On the way down, though, we had our newest official member of our group take the longer path down the mountain, alone. It was sort of like seal the deal kind of gesture. I look back to this day and wonder why in the world we told him to do that, and even more, why he agreed. At this point, it was nothing crazy to any of us. I guess that's the only reason we were so naive, and we had never been exposed to anything like this. Nothing so critically unsafe. He would be down in 25 minutes, or so we thought about five minutes after us. Once Ryan, my other friend, and I had gotten to the bottom of the mountain, we hid behind a big boulder awaiting for our friend's arrival. Eventually, we heard twigs snapping and we expected to see our friend come out. By this point, the moon had been covered by some clouds, so we were not able to make out the key details of the figure. 
but what we saw coming out did not match the stature or physique of our friend. It was skinny and malnourished looking. It was shorter. Its arms came down much farther than any humans I had ever seen, which only baffled me more. I could not make out any distinguishing features of its head or face. We sat there just looking, not sure what to make of the situation. All of us in our minds could not stop thinking of our poor friend who was alone. The guilt, the anxiety that rushed through my body alone was enough to make me almost throw up. Whatever this thing was paused for a moment, sniffed the air, then thankfully walked the opposite way on the railroad away from us. It had made it around a quarter of a mile away when we heard more branches snap by the tree line. At this point, we just didn't know what to expect. My stomach dropped as my friends started calling our names. The last thing I wanted to do was make our presence known to whatever that thing was. I panicked. My plan on pranking my friend had gone south. I gave one last glance into the distance and saw whatever it was continuing to walk in its own direction down the railroad, not even flinching. I found this odd, and then I just paid no attention to my friend. We all came out and whispering him to be quiet. We asked him if he saw or heard anything, and he said no. He looked so confused and started laughing. He said, If you guys are trying to prank me, it's not going to work. The hike was fine. I don't know why you're all still screwing with me. After all, I was the one who had to do it alone. As he said that, I glanced back at where the, the creature was going and I didn't see it anymore. It was impossible for it to have disappeared that quickly, unless it had gone past the tree line. We all stood silent for a moment. I finally spoke for the group. Listen, all you need to know is that we need to get back to Ryan's house right now. I was raising my voice at this point out of fear and insistence. Our friend was so lost and I know if he had experienced something surreal, he would have told us. I told everyone to hurry up and that we were going to run. Whatever it was, we had lost sight of it and had no idea where it turned or where it was. We climbed down the rocky hill into the path as quickly as we could, sliding down on the way. We eventually made it back to the grassland getting closer to Ryan's house. We started to walk, as we felt a bit safer. As we walked across the field, we heard a screech. My whole body shivered and tensed up. I stood there, as did everyone else, frozen like a statue. We all just looked at each other. Goosebumps infested my arms. I started to shiver uncontrollably. We heard it again. It was distant from the direction of the train tracks. The second time was the last time we heard it, and I only realized that after we got back to the house. I had my mind solely on the idea of getting back to my friend's house safely. It was every man for himself, and we scattered. It took us a few minutes to get back, but we all made it. We sat there for 15 minutes discussing what the heck just happened. All of us were in shock. I know at this point, the story, things looked bad, but it only got worse from there. As Ryan went inside to get a pistol in case anything came into the backyard, we all sat there in silence. A moment later, he came back in a panic. Guys, have you seen my phone? My heart sank. We all said no, and after calling it many times with no success and not hearing it anywhere, we were forced to accept that it was in fact gone somewhere on the trail. At this point, Ryan was beyond angry. He was cursing under his breath and throwing stuff. After we all sat there watching him, our minds in shock, he took the magazine in his pocket, put it in his pistol, and loaded it. This got our attention. Then he said, I need that phone. I cannot afford to lose it. And I sure as hell can't leave without it. 
If my parents call to check in, I'll be screwed. It was one in the morning now. We were all uneasy and didn't really know what to expect. We eventually agreed to accompany Ryan to the entrance of the field, but no further. We had gotten to the point that, honestly, we were not crazy to mess with this creature. We got to the trail, but with no luck, he didn't find his phone. He was insistent on pressing forward, but all of us said, you're crazy. Ryan said, fine, I'll go on by myself, but you're going to keep calling the cell phone until I hear it. We said, all right. We used my phone. As we called, the purest form of dread washed over me. Every time I heard the phone ring, I thought someone would pick it up and Ryan wouldn't be Ryan. After 15 slow, agonizing minutes, the, p the phone picked up and suddenly all of us, we, we jumped. He said he got it, and we asked where he found it. He said it was at the bottom of the rocky hill that led to the tracks. The fact that he had made it that far made me concerned. What if that person or creature was still near there? As we continued to talk, he abruptly said, I got to go. Before I said anything, he hung up. We all sat there in isolation, waiting, dreading. We were thinking the worst was going to happen. We were far past the point of pranks. Whatever happened was serious. I tried calling her back three times, but it went straight to voicemail. I figured this could not be a good sign, and he had either turned off his phone or put it on do not disturb mode for whatever reason. A few minutes passed and we suddenly got a text from him. He said, get back to the house. It's, it's not safe. I'm there. I took another way. As we'd read that, we suddenly felt like we were being watched. That feeling you get when you're in the open and something might be lurking by. We were a few minutes from home, but in that time, whatever the hell was out there could be watching us for all we knew. We took off back to the house and at one point my friend had tripped. Me and my friend, being the good friends we were, ran back to help him and we continued going together. We eventually made it back and Ryan was waiting for us. He yelled, Guys, get out of there now. Hurry. We ran to him and he explained everything. He said he was jogging and eventually heard a distant buzzing. He said he realized it was his phone. It was right at the edge of the bottom of that rocky hill leading to the tracks. It must have fell out of my pocket as we were sliding down that dang hill, he exclaimed. As he slowed down, he cautiously started walking. He grabbed the phone and picked it up. After standing there for a few minutes distracted talking to us, he heard something walking on top of the tracks, the rocks crunching underneath the ground. That's when he hung up in fear of whatever it was hearing him. Whatever it was never noticed or at least he thought didn't notice him because it kept walking in that constant pace. Whatever it was though, he also mentioned, was bipedal based on the amount of time it took for one foot to sink into the crunching rocks after another. He could not see over the hill onto the main tracks to see what was making this noise. He just ran back urgently and as quickly as he could. He decided to text us. I thought it was kind of dumb to leave us hanging like that, but hey, we do stupid things when we're scared. We sat there just thinking what to do next. We were dead quiet, just listening to every sound and looking into the tree line anticipating something to happen. Eventually, we heard rustling coming from the woods. Unsure of what it was, and based off our impulse, Ryan shot one round into the woods. Whatever it was ran away. I'm pretty sure it was a deer, though. Or at least I hope it was. Nothing else happened that night. We locked the doors, turned out the lights, and hung out in the living room. There was no chance we were getting to sleep. The unreal experience that we had just encountered would haunt us for the rest of our lives. As freakish as it was, I'm oddly happy to know I have a surreal story to tell anyone who I am close to.
What matters is that my friends and I made it out safely. Looking back, that screech could have been a screech owl or a fox, but knowing that someone or something else was out there was definitely what sealed the deal for me. None of us were high, none of us were drunk. We were all completely sober. I know what we saw was real. I know what happened to us on that hike that night. Absolutely, it absolutely occurred, and nobody can tell me differently. To this day, I have no idea what that creature was or what its intentions were. I don't know if it had followed my two friends and I or my other friend down that long path. Quite frankly, I don't want to know. Some say ignorance is bliss, and I wholeheartedly agree. This story comes from myself, and it occurred two years ago on a hiking trip with my father. I will also mention I was 16 at the time this story occurs. So I'll begin. It was nearing the end of August, and my father had decided to take me on a hiking trip into the woods that lay on the edge of our property. This set of forest is quite expansive, and is a nice place to hike. There's plenty of hills, small patches of clearing, etc., so we ride out on our ATVs and pack up to begin the hike. If I remember correctly, we got to the trail around 5pm and began walking at 5.20 or around that time. It was very beautiful, with a crisp breeze here and there. And suddenly, we heard a noise. We are about 20 minutes into the woods from where we began. And this noise sounds like it's coming from around 25 to 30 feet ahead of us. And it's loud like someone dropping a boulder from the top of a tree loud. I'm naturally a skittish person, so I jump immediately upon hearing it. My dad starts laughing at me and asks what's wrong. I respond, Don't you hear that, Dad? He doesn't seem too worried. Yeah, why? What was it? He then informs me that it's likely a bear dropping from a tree, or possibly a large bird taking flight. It doesn't really add up to my imaginative mind, though. What kind of bird makes a noise like that? We continue to hike and find a tree. Every branch on the side is completely broken, like a large animal slid down breaking every single branch. I believe this is the source of the noise I heard earlier. I point to tell my dad to look. We both begin investigating the tree and he tells me that this is definitely a bear that slid down the tree. I don't believe him though, but I go with it. We are now about 45 to 50 minutes into the hike. We stop to rest and eat a bit. We both pack sandwiches. Me with a turkey and my dad with chicken salad. He loves chicken salad sandwiches. We talk about how nice it is out there and finish eating. It's about 6.20 now and we begin hiking again. About 10 more minutes in, my dad stops me. He squats down. William, come here. My name is William, by the way. I walk up beside him and squat down as well. What is it? He points at the mud, and I'm chilled to the core at what I see. On the ground are a trail of footprints, unlike any animal I have ever seen. The back of them is very slim, and they start to get wider as they reach the toes. The toes are long and thin, with faint claw marks at the end of each. My dad tells me he's never seen anything like them. I'm now making connections in my head. Tree branches, odd footprints, Multiple visions of horrific creatures are running through my mind, and he tells me that we should turn around and head back, not because he's scared, but because it's getting kind of late. 
It's 6.35 and we are tired, and it will be getting dark soon. We turn around and start heading back. As we pass a clearing in the trees, I see something under the corner of my eye. I'm tearing up right now as I type this thinking of it. Standing in the clearing, about 15 or so feet away, is a tall, dark creature. It's just looking up at the sky. Its face is similar to a bird. It has a long beak and a sharp facial build. Its build is thin, and its arm is hanging down to its knees with long fingers on each hand. I start crying and scream for my dad to look, but it doesn't come out as a scream, it's more of a squeak. I yank on his jacket and he turns around to face me. I just point at the direction this thing is standing. He's completely silent. The whole world is just silent. For a moment I thought time had stopped completely. The thing seemingly had no interest in us. It was just looking at the sky. I look up in the tree above and this thing was staring at the mangled body of some animal, torn and just completely not recognizable. It's just staring up at it. We run, faster than we ever have before. I didn't hear anything following us, so I guessed it wasn't too interested in us. We reach the ATVs, and we hightail it out of there, not looking back for a moment. When we get back home, not a single word is spoken. We just go in, sit down, and watch TV. Even now, when I bring it up with him, he just tells me he doesn't want to talk about it. We haven't gone back to that hiking trail, and I don't think we ever will. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true hiking horror stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button, as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it to fresh new eyes, and that's incredibly helpful. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, if you could give this show a 5-star rating, that would help us out a ton and is very much appreciated. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium, and still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free to do so. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store. We've got face masks, hoodies, t-shirts, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Thank you as always for supporting the swamp the way you guys do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without you all. Be sure to join me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.